Cast. It's not about the corner office. It's not about the fancy title. It's not even about the extra money. Responsible leadership is about taking care of those who choose to follow you, and that care takes on many forms. This podcast is dedicated to bringing you the best guests with the best advice to help you succeed in that endeavor. The Responsible Leadership Podcast is a production of The Leadership Phalanx. To find out more about me and what I do, visit leadershipphalanx.com. That's leadership, P-H-A-L-A-N-X.com. And now, on to today's show. All right, listeners, hello and welcome to this episode of the Responsible Leadership Podcast. I've got a great guest lined up for you today, Mr. Daryl Amy. Daryl, thanks for being with us. Oh, Earl, it's great to be here. Yeah, no, this is, uh, folks, I've done my due diligence. I've listened to a few things that uh, Daryl's been on and you all are in for a big treat here. But what I want you to know before we get into that conversation is that Daryl is passionate about helping great kingdom-minded companies grow revenue. He's the author of the best-selling book, Revenue Growth Engine, How to Align Sales and Marketing to Drive Accelerate Growth. In addition to his work helping businesses grow, he's the co-founder of the Kingdom Missions Fund and the executive director of the Man Alive Expedition. As a revenue growth strategist, he enjoys getting behind the scenes, rolling up his sleeves, and helping company owners, sales leaders, and marketing teams build revenue growth strategies so they can maximize their impact. Now, I I love that background. Uh, Again, I've heard you on a few things, and I'm really excited to hear how you answer that first question where I start off all of my guests. When you hear the phrase responsible leadership, what does that look like to you? It's a fantastic question. And immediately, I think of the legendary Stephen Covey, who said that 80% of leadership is self-leadership. And to me, this, you know, when you think about responsible leadership as a leader, I think I'm most responsible when I make sure to do the inner work, to do the hard work, to show up prepared to uh, ensure that I'm investing in myself on a regular basis so that when I when I show up to whatever that is, whether it's in the business world or whether it's to a nonprofit or for my family, that I am ready to go, that that I've done the hard inner work. I keep doing that work. And I think when when you um, do, you know, it's it, Stephen Covey would say, you know, to do that, that inner work first, private success precedes public success. So I think the foundation of all of this, Earl, is is really looking at this and going, what am I doing to lead myself? And if I can get that right, the rest of it seems to fall in line, I think, for me quite easily. Yeah, no, I uh, I agree with you 100%. That's uh, what you just said there, and I love that answer, is is one of the reasons why uh, the the second shield I talk about when I'm doing leadership training is is introspection and improvement. And it's about mm-hmm. what Daryl just said, is is taking the time to get to you know, kind of know you reflect and, and, and do the self-leadership, uh, self-leadership thing. So I really, I really like that answer. Thank you for sharing that with us. 
Yeah. And I think getting clear on, you know, when it comes to, to growing your business, which is a topic I'm very passionate about, especially for business owners and, and leaders that are, are committed to making an impact in the world. When it comes to growing your business, you need to really know your why. Um, we're all obviously familiar with Start With Why and the incredible uh, revolution that Simon Sinek has, has created. And, and I think that inner work um, as a leader is, is really con- continually getting clear. Uh, I think this journey to understanding your why is a, uh, is a journey that, that maybe is a lifelong journey. It hasn't stopped yet for me. Uh, and, and so I think it's very, very critical for us to understand our why. What, what's our purpose? What's our purpose as individuals? What's the purpose behind our business? Because we, when we can get clear on that and, and clearly connected to it, I think that's what drives the work, the effort, the focus that it's going to take to actually lead, to run a business, to drive growth. And, and I'm really, really passionate about connecting with purpose and, and what is your why. Yeah. Well, and, and so let me ask, uh, let me ask the question this way. Uh, I've noticed again, doing my due diligence and, and looking at, at some of the things that you do, uh, you are by no means limited to, but you, you tend to lean towards, uh, kind of helping more, uh, faith Christian based organizations because, you know, I mean, I'm sure that probably connects with you on, on some level, but, uh, do you think that's, that's kind of why that, that you do that is, is because it connects with your why? Yeah, absolutely. And and we get to help all kinds of different businesses. And I think I get the most excited when we're able to go into a business that has um, stated values, they have a stated purpose. Um, they're, you know, you might say multiple bottom lines. Um, yes, the revenue bottom line is important. But the the reality is, you know, when it comes to, to driving growth in your business, that's going to ultimately benefit everybody in your organization. It should benefit your community and the world as well. And so this is, you know, to me, once when it, when it comes to revenue growth, and this is the topic I'm, I'm so passionate about because revenue is what enables all of this goodness to happen, um, is if a business is growing, they're able to create meaningful work for people. You know, we know the stats. I mean, it's like 78% of employees are disengaged at work. They don't have, see any purpose. Well, as a leader, if I'm able to show up with purpose and, and articulate the purpose of the organization and get people rallied around that, all of a sudden work becomes meaningful. So we're working uh, not just to to drive revenue inside the company, but that revenue's got a purpose. It's creating meaningful work. It's impacting the community. It's impacting the world. And to me right now, especially during the great resignation, when people are, you know, changing jobs as fast as they're changing clothes in some, some ways that companies that are really going to succeed in keeping employees around um, are the ones that understand that purpose. And, and so, yeah, I think whether it's kingdom minded um, business or any business, it's got a conscience and a, a cause behind it. To me, those are the businesses I enjoy helping grow, but they're also the businesses I enjoy hanging out with because I think inherently those businesses are set up to grow because they're actually making a difference in the world, uh, creating meaningful work and and helping the world become a better place. I think these days, um, all things equal, these types of businesses are the ones that are going to succeed. 
Yeah, no, I I agree with you there, and I'm I'm glad to see kind of that focus. Like uh, having worked with a few of those organizations myself, the one thing I always found interesting was uh, almost th- this: I want to do good, but I don't want to I don't want to violate my principles by you know looking at profit, looking at the bottom line. It feels almost kind of like dirty, like I'm 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 doing something wrong and. Uh, I, I, I kind of understand that mindset a little bit, but I don't completely. And it was Dave Ramsey. I uh, heard him uh, on his uh, Entree Leadership podcast. He, he talked about the old saying, uh, you know, that people get it wrong, that, that money is the root of all evil. He says, no, money is at the root of all evil. Uh, if you are an evil person who just wants to hoard money and do bad things to people without money, you're going to do that with money. Uh, you're just going to be able to do it more. If you're a good person that wants to help people without money, you're going to just be able to do it more the more money you have. And you know the point behind that was don't be afraid to make money. It allows you to put that good out there and do that good in your community, whatever that community is. You know, Being a veteran, mm-hmm. uh, we have a lot of entrepreneurs that do things around the veteran suicide epidemic. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, social justice issues, whatever it is, uh, I think the point is, and where I want to really point my listeners towards your book, Revenue Growth Engine, is even though you have this great noble purpose that you want to do good in the world, don't be afraid to make money. It's going to enable you to do more good. So get the book and follow Daryl's advice and make more money, right? Absolutely. And so that, right, so that you can fulfill your purpose. And I think this is, you're absolutely right. You know, some people have said money is a scorecard. Uh, and I think there's there's some a legitimacy to that. I mean, this is, you know, it's a scorecard for your business. How well are you doing at serving the, the needs of your clients and prospects? It, that's a scorecard. If you're doing a good job, revenue is going to be coming in. Um, the other, the other thing is, is I've heard that money is energy. So when, when you're approaching business um, with purpose, and I just, I got back a couple months ago, I had the privilege of attending the Purpose Summit, which I highly recommend. It was a fantastic event hosted in your state. It was up in South Bend on the Notre Dame campus. And uh, the Purpose Summit was a group of purpose-minded businesses from large enterprise to small, getting together and saying, "Hey, let's champion, um, let's champion purpose-driven businesses. Let's figure this out. Let's um, let's look at business as a force for good." Earl, I'm on the bo- uh, board of several nonprofits, and what I've noticed in those that role is while we have many, many wonderful, generous donors that that you know are are giving many on a monthly basis and sacrificially giving. It's wonderful. But really, at the end of the day, the, the donors that are able to come in and move the needle by writing what I call checks with commas in them are successful business owners. They're generous entrepreneurs that are able to come in and because they've generated revenue and then managed to, to bring a profit to the bottom line, because they're running their business well and they've got a highly productive revenue growth engine in place, they're able to have an impact in a way that you know is is very unique and extremely valued in this world. And so I'm a champion of saying absolutely let's you know 
figure out your purpose and then let's get to work and let's figure out how to uh, how to generate the the cash flow that we all know the world has plenty of problems right now that that need to be solved who's going to solve those problems well it's going to be nonprofits and the people that are going to resource those solutions are all of us and the folks listening to this podcast who are out there getting it done and i say hats off to every entrepreneur hats off to every veteran who's um, who's come home and is dedicated to growing uh, growing their business and making a difference. Hats off to every entrepreneur, because this is what keeps the world moving forward. That's why I get so fired up about this topic. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And and uh, I I'll just echo everything you said there at the end. Uh, I, I love I love seeing what the veteran community is doing, especially non- and to entrepreneurs in the entrepreneur space right now. Uh, but yes, every entrepreneur, I hundred percent agree. Um, all right, so I want to kind of go back because I like origin stories. And uh, one of the shows I was listening on, you told the origin story behind your your engine metaphor, uh, <laughs> and, and it all uh, happened on a lawnmower, right? Well, that is uh, that is a very true statement. It's kind of funny story. Um, just by background for everybody, I've spent three decades in business to business sales, sales management, and sales development. And then at the same time, spent the last couple of decades as a partner in, in the digital, rapidly evolving digital marketing space. So I've, uh, I like to say I've had two skis on. I've got the sales ski and the marketing ski. Um, so you want to make sure those are pointed, those skis are pointed in the same direction, or you're probably going to be seeing an orthopedic surgeon. Um, the same thing in your business. So anyhow, I, I'm, I'm mowing my lawn and, and uh, I know the listeners are going, what do you mean you mow your lawn? Doesn't every time management guru in the world say you're not supposed to mow your lawn? Um, I heard Gino Wickman at uh, the EOS conference where I was a couple months ago go, don't do $25 an hour work if you're an entrepreneur. Well, here's the deal. I like to mow my lawn, Earl, because I have 35 minutes of uninterrupted time where I can think, I can listen to great podcasts like uh, like the Burden of Command. And uh, so, anyhow, I'm one day. I'm and and the other thing is, you know, I spend most of my day and working with my team, helping businesses develop and execute revenue growth plans. We don't get to see the results immediately; they happen over time. So, what's great about my lawn is I can mow my lawn. I can see the straight lines. And I can get done and feel like I've, I've accomplished something. So anyhow, I am mowing my lawn one day. And I'm thinking about uh, conversations I've had that week with different businesses. I'm thinking about my own businesses. And I'm realizing that every business needs an engine to grow. And as I'm puttering across the lawn on my 60-inch zero-turn lawnmower, I see my car sitting in the driveway. And I realize that both the lawnmower and the car have an engine. Um, in fact, if I wanted to uh, come see you in Indiana from where I live in the Mid-South, it's possible that I could get on my lawnmower and point my lawnmower north and I could eventually get to Indiana. Um, I think it'd be much more productive, though, and a, probably a subject of a lot less ridicule if I got in my car and went because my lawnmower has, a, I think it's four cylinders that pump out about 28.5 horsepower. Which, by the way, for a lawnmower is pretty good. My yeah, car has eight cylinders, which pump out over four hundred and twenty horsepower. And I don't know about you, but if I want to get, uh, you know, if I want to get somewhere fast and in some type of comfort, I'd much rather take my car. So here's where we're going with this, Earl. I realized every business 
has an engine. Um, the problem is uh, some businesses have a small engine with just a couple cylinders and other businesses have a high performance engine that's firing on all cylinders. And so when I wrote the book, Revenue Growth Engine, the idea was to be able to say, okay, what does a fully functional, high power, high performance growth engine look like for a company? What are all the cylinders that need to be in place so that um, you can accelerate and maintain growth in your business? And um, what's ended up happening since the book came out a couple of years ago, the feedback I keep getting from business owners and sales leaders and marketing leaders is this is like a template you can lay down over your business and begin to identify kind of where the the missing pieces are, the gaps, the the misfiring cylinders in the engine. So yes, it all began on a lawnmower. And uh, I'm proud to say that um, that you can get good ideas while you're mowing your lawn. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and and uh, so and I love everything about that story, especially the 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 time uh, piece there, right? Because yeah, I've, I've heard that too. I I do have somebody that that mows my yard, uh, but you know it's it's I don't get the same thing out of it that you do. I, I don't have that moment of zen. It's it's something I want to just you know get done and over with for another few days. Uh, but I think the key thing there, and what I loved about that story again, going back to the introspection piece is. For, for you, it's not a $25, uh, you're not doing $25 an hour work. You're doing $25 an hour mowing, but you're getting as evidenced by this, this epiphany <laughs> here for the book. You've got so much more value out of that time and knowing where Good those, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing when, when people hear very smart people, like Michael Hyatt was the first person I heard talk about that. Like, you know, he talked about hiring a, a cleaner, a house cleaner for his wife and all that. And that's great, right? But some people hear that and they think that's what I've got to do. And, and I always tell folks like, no, you don't, you don't have to do things every way John Maxwell did it. You don't have to do things exactly the way Michael Hyatt did it. Those are good ideas that work for them. What works for you? And I'm glad you didn't listen to that advice and not have that lawnmower <laughs> moment because we wouldn't be talking about your book right now. And, and I, I don't want people to miss that lawnmower moment. So that's find great. what works for you folks. That's right. Well, and, and you know, this is the, the thing. I think one of the things when it comes to, to growing your company, especially from the perspective of leadership, I mean, growth happens when you put processes and systems in place for sure. And I know we'll get to talk about that. Um, throughout this episode, but growth is also sparked by good ideas and good ideas happen when you create the space for them to happen. So whether that's mowing your lawn or going for a walk, I always laugh uh, because when I go for a walk every morning, I get get home and my my sweet wife wants to talk to me and I'm like, honey, just give me 10 minutes. I got to write all this down because <laughs> I get so many ideas when I go for a walk in the morning. To just literally getting off the grid, um, I met a very interesting guy. I actually heard him speak um, about 10 or 11 years ago now, and uh, he was talking about business leadership. And I truthfully don't remember a lot about what he said, but one thing he said was that he got off the grid for three days every 90 days for a sabbatical. And um, I thought, man, that's a great idea. So um, I took him up on that. And I went on my first off-the-grid sabbatical 
10 years ago, and I've been doing it every 90 days uh, for over a decade now. And what I've discovered is, this goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning, 80% of leadership is self-leadership. When you take that time to invest in yourself, get off the grid, you know, connect uh, connect with your heart, uh, possibly connect with God, and be in that place where you are open to receptive and free to, to be able to have ideas, that's when really good things happen. You get, uh, as my friend Benj Miller likes to call it, the clarity moments come out of things like that. And I think that, that you know, whether it's mowing your lawn, whether it's going for a walk or whether it's heading out into the woods um, for, for a couple of days or even going to Mount Everest Base Camp, which I had the chance to do earlier this year, these yeah. moments are not, um, they're not wasted time. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Um, you could say that $25 an hour, uh, hour I spent mowing my lawn yielded, you know, it was a million dollar moment. It was actually the spark for an idea. So I want to just challenge leaders out there. We get heads down running our business and there's a lot of things to do to run a business. Um, but I think it's really, really critical that we find those moments where we can get off the grid, get some clarity, and um, and these ideas that we get and the clarity that happens in those moments are, are the things that actually fuel our growth. Mm, love it. Well, Daryl, I think that's a great spot here to go ahead and, and take our uh, sponsor break here. Um, and when we come back, we'll get into... Uh, some of those growth engine cylinder pieces. So folks, we're going to listen to some sponsors here and then we will be right back. All right. Thanks uh, to our sponsors there. And uh, we are now back with Daryl Amy. So Daryl, before the break, uh, we had a great moment talking about the value of of uh, knowing who we are and and maybe doing some of those jobs that we find Zen in. Um, and uh, listeners, if you missed that, go back before the break and, and listen to it again, because that was some solid gold. But uh, right now we're going to kind of switch tracks a little bit because I really want you all to uh, to to value Revenue Growth Engine, the book, uh, for everything that it can offer. And so what I liked about it was, you know, right off the bat in the preface, you start off with a couple of epiphanies you had. And I love the first epiphany. There are only two ways to grow revenue. What are those two ways? Yeah, it's two ways and two ways only. We get net new business or we cross sell more to our current customers. Net new, you go out and land new business, you get market share, you get a new logo, I mean, you land new customers. That's one way to grow. The other way to grow is that you cross sell more to your existing customers. If you really think about it, those are the only ways to grow. Well, Daryl, I could grow by buying a business. That's great. But once you acquire that business, you better be going and getting net new customers and cross selling more to that client base. And here's what I realized. Uh, The epiphany was not only that there are two ways to grow. The epiphany was that most businesses usually are good at one or the other. Um, they're either good at net new or they're good at cross sell. And and when I talk to management teams that are looking to build their revenue growth plans, you know, I'll ask, hey, what are you good at? Are you good at net new? Or are you good at cross sell? And two to two to one, they'll tell me net new. By the way, 
it's kind of interesting. But here's the point. When you get both of those going at the same time, if you're only good at net new, you're going to see linear growth. You're going to add customers and you're going to have a nice straight line of growth. If you get good at both at the same time, you're going to start seeing exponential growth. And for my fellow Canadian friends, that's uh, where we see the hockey stick, right? And that's where things start to get exciting um, when we see that exponential growth because we're driving net new number of customers and we're driving cross-sell or revenue per customer. You get both of those going at the same time and now the engine really starts to accelerate your business. In fact, it's really cool, Earl, and, and if uh, if the listeners want a tool to help them out with this in uh, just planning and brainstorming for their own business growth, they can text the word revenue to 21,000. That's revenue to the number 21,000. And you'll get access to our revenue growth toolkit. And there's a really simple spreadsheet in there where you can start to plug in numbers on net new and cross-sell growth to plan your growth and set some goals. But it was really cool when we came to realize that if you have modest growth, say 12 to 14% in net new, and you have modest growth in your cross-sell revenue by selling more to your current clients of 12 to 14%, that modest growth will yield double revenue. It'll double your revenue in about just under 36 months. I mean, it's really simple math, but you start to realize, wow, if we get both of those things going, we get all the cylinders of our engine firing, we can literally double our business um, with modest growth numbers in two or three years. And that's where I look and go, okay, this is a no-brainer. Let's get all these cylinders in place so we can imagine three years from now, double the revenue, double the impact. And uh, of course, some businesses are accelerating even past that, which just gets me so fired up. But net new and cross-sell, two ways and two ways only to grow revenue. Yeah. And again, you're right. It was such simple math. Like I remember uh, hearing you break it down like that and, and reading that and I'm sitting there like, yeah, that is, that is genius. I, I don't know, you know, maybe I'm the, the, the late one to the dance here, but you know, it just clicked. It's like, I can, I can get 10 new customers and sell 10 new items, or I can get 10 new customers and each one of those buys 10 items. And now I've sold a hundred items to 10 new customers. So the math is even somebody that was uh, born in Northeast Tennessee can do. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, it goes further than that, too, because the second realization that uh, that I had as I was putting together the revenue growth engine was that not all customers are created equally. Mike McCallowitz, mm-hmm. in my favorite book he wrote, The Pumpkin Plan, says that exact line, not all customers are created equally. And what we begin to realize is that Italian philosopher, economist that we all know, good old Vilfredo Pareto with his Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule. The 80-20 rule is alive and it is doing well in almost every business I've been in. And what I mean by that is the top 20% of customers are delivering 80% of the revenue. And I've seen this across multiple industries in multiple parts of the country. I even saw it, uh, I was working on a revenue growth plan for a company in Western Canada this past week. Same thing, 80-20 rule, the top 20% are delivering 80% of the results. So understanding that not all customers are created equally, my question to everybody listening is, who is your ideal client? Who are the clients that have the ability to buy everything that you sell and are closely aligned with your values and your culture as a company. 
In other words, they need what you do. They're a good fit for you. They're probably going to stick around. We were just, we did, we've done this exercise. It's so much fun Earl. I get to do this in our revenue growth workshops where we'll say, you know, let's get clarity on this ideal client. The one I was doing this week, we looked at a 10 year value of an ideal client and we asked the question, okay, this ideal client that we've identified, what if they bought everything they could buy from your company, everything they need over the next decade, what would they be worth? And we start adding the numbers up across all the different product lines, all the different revenue buckets. And uh, we get done and that number for this particular company in this industry over 10 years, that number was $691,000 over 10 years. If they were all in on everything, this ideal client, and he moved the decimal place over and you see that number is that ideal clients were $69,000 a year. Well, guess what their average client was worth? And how would they get that math? Well, just look at the current revenue and divide it by the current number of customers. And now you just figured out your average revenue per customer. So this ideal client is worth $69,000 a year. Their average client value was $6,900 a year. Mm. 10x, 10x. So if you want to grow your business and you want to accelerate your growth, I look at that and go, well, why don't we focus our limited sales and marketing budget? And by the way, unless you work for Nike or Coca-Cola, you have a limited sales and marketing budget. Why not focus that limited sales and marketing budget on the clients and prospects that are a best fit for your organization and that need everything that you sell? Uh, We'll still take orders from other people, but why don't we focus our, our efforts, our around marketing and sales around those ideal clients? And when companies begin to do that, all of a sudden they begin to realize, oh my goodness, there is a part of the market that is a really, really good fit for us. So now let's identify who those are and let's, you know, once you know your ideal client, you can figure out who your ideal prospects are. You don't need leads anymore. You already know who your leads are. They're the people in your marketplace that fit the pro- the profile of your ideal client. For my business to business friends, that means you just go out and buy the list and start working that list, right? Engaging with them as salespeople, coming up with marketing strategies. And so net new and cross-sell are the two ways to drive revenue. And the best way to maximize your net new and cross-sell is finding those ideal clients that need everything that you sell. Yeah. Well, no, and I love it. And and, and I'm kind of curious how this fits into the math, uh, because as you're talking, you know, I'm sitting there thinking like, yeah. So you, you mentioned doing that with, you know, the products, they buy everything from you, mm-hmm. uh, that that's what they're worth. But, you know, your ideal client likely, likely hangs out with your ideal client. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then there's that, that cross pollination of, Hey, they see you wearing XYZ corpse, uh, you know, t-shirt or whatever, and then they go buy one. And then now you've turned one ideal client into two ideal clients or, or more. Right. So you, you get even more exponential growth by that. Right. Birds of a feather definitely flock together. And I was thinking of another a company I was working with here this past month that super technology company, they sell, um, they sell technology services to a lot of different businesses, but they had a ideal client, uh, for them was someone in the healthcare space. And when they look, and which is a massive recession-proof growing industry, and uh, when they looked at their average client value in the healthcare space versus just you know their rank and file average client value, Earl, it was one hundred x 
Like that was, I mean, that was the biggest one I've seen so far. Usually it's 20 or 30 X an average value. And that's where you look at that and go, okay, this makes a lot of sense because these birds of a feather do flock together. They all go to the same industry conferences. Um, you know, when people change jobs and they do that quite a bit these days, they're going to probably move to another healthcare organization. Let's get tight in that, that marketplace and let's, um, you know, we know who to go after let's, and let's set ourselves up so we can get more of these ideal clients. And you're right. Ideal clients, um, not only are a good cultural fit, they usually tend to respect what you do, value what you do. They see you as a partner, not a vendor and, uh, hopefully pay their bills on time. If someone doesn't pay their bill on time, that's not an ideal client in my book. Uh, but, uh, but on top of that as well, um, yeah, it was interesting. Actually, there was another organization that had an ideal client profile that tended in their industry not to pay their bills on time, but they had a factoring program where they were actually able to turn that into a net positive and and uh, and actually make money by by financing some of that stuff. But I digress. the um, The reality in in all of this is when we find this best fit client. They're the types of folks that we enjoy going to work with. And we take that back and they give us referrals. But you take that take that back. A lot of the companies I get to serve uh, use the entrepreneur's operating system traction. And so in that model and in most uh, good models in business, you're going to hire people to come to work for your company that align with your core values. Well, what if we started doing that with our customers? What if we started looking at our prospects and saying, I want, to, I want to attract the type of client, the ideal client that actually is going to appreciate what we do so that um, when my cell phone rings and I see that client's caller ID on the phone, instead of getting a pit, you know, stomach dropping and going, oh, do I really have to take this call? Instead, when you have an ideal client, the phone rings, and you go, ah, oh, I've been looking forward to talking to this person. Right. And so, you know, there's a lot to that when it comes to corporate culture as well as leaders saying, let's, you know, I know it's not all roses and chocolates, but let's figure out who our ideal client is and let's attract as many of these as possible because um, interacting with these people is going to be a net gain to our corporate culture. And we all know there's certain clients who probably need to fire some of them. Uh, Mike Michalowicz would say you definitely need to fire the ones that are, are a problem, um, that aren't a yeah. fit, that are draining your resources and your corporate culture. But I think this whole whole concept of leading your company around identifying and then doing everything to attract ideal clients has so many financial and cultural benefits. It's really quite simple and very, very powerful. Mm, I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm loving it. So, um, you know, we got the, 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 the two epiphanies, if you will, the, uh, how to, uh, grow revenue and then how to use the ideal client model to accelerate that growth. And all that data comes together to basically help us figure out, uh, you know, how to kind of tune our cylinders, right? So mm -hmm. let, let's let's talk about these. What are these six cylinders? Yeah, well, there's as kind of as many as you want. Um, you know, I've, there are twelve cylinder engines out there, and maybe there's more that I don't know about. The more yeah. more horsepower you can have in your business, the better. There's really four uh, four categories, and you'll see this uh, when you read the book. And if you want to see the revenue growth engine model, and uh, you can actually text the word revenue to 21,000, and that's in the toolkit. Um, you can also snag a copy of the book, and if you'll pay shipping and handling, I'll, I'll autograph one and send it to you for free. But uh, the um, 
the four core areas are actually kind of logical. If you think about net new and cross sell um, being, you know, net new. Okay. What are we going to do for net new from a sales perspective and a marketing perspective? Cross sell. What are we going to do to cross sell from a sales perspective and a marketing perspective? So sales and marketing uh, need to work together throughout the whole client relationship. You know, it, it, in a lot of companies, Earl, it, it's kind of like um, marketing's job is to generate a lead. Sales job is to close the deal. And then it gets handed off into, you know, oblivion for, for the operations team to somehow fulfill on the order. But my good friend, Mark Hunter, the sales hunter and one of my favorite sales authors says, look, you don't close a sale, you open a relationship. The sales and marketing doesn't stop the moment that order is signed. The sales and marketing only just begins because now, especially with our ideal client that needs everything that we sell, um, you know, they've bought one thing from us. Let's, you know, let's continue that journey. So if you think about those four core areas, what are you doing from a marketing perspective for net new? What are you doing from a sales perspective for net new? And then take those two marketing and sales perspectives to cross sell. And, um, you know, really the reality, and we give a ton of ideas in each one of those quadrants in terms of what companies can do. Um, I'll share some, some in the, the few minutes we have remaining today, but the, um, the reality is, um, if you're good at net new, but not good at cross sell, in other words, you land deals, but they kind of get dropped into oblivion and sales doesn't follow up until, you know, maybe a few years passes and a contract is about to expire. This is where it's really good to look at that and go, okay, what processes could we put in place uh, from a cross-sell standpoint? So how could we handle our onboarding process? We give some ideas in the book on how sales um, can stay involved throughout the onboarding process. If it's an ideal client, what do our quarterly business reviews look like? You know, if there's more opportunity in those accounts, how can we generate a cadence of, of sales activity on a regular basis, quarterly, annually, semi-annually, whatever your business is, so that salespeople are coming in and adding value and driving business conversation um, that's that's going to lead to additional uh, value being created and additional sales. Marketing, same thing. What marketing processes could you put in place to cross-sell? Um, you can get a lot of great marketing ideas from companies outside your industry. I'm a huge fan of Jay Abraham. Jay is one of my favorite all-time marketing gurus in his book, How to Get Everything You Can, uh, how, to, how to Get Everything You Can Out of All You've Got. Let's see if I got that right. But Jay's book is, uh, he basically says, one of the things that I love that he says is, you know, whatever industry you're in, pick up your head and look around at other industries and see where you can get a great idea. And so a lot of a lot of companies, one I was working with yesterday, services veterinary equipment, great company. Um, and so, you know, we're looking and going, what could we do? Well, one of the ideas that I had was, uh, you know, I have a, uh, an American Expl Express Platinum card. You know, what does that have to do with servicing equipment? Um, the reality is I have an American Express Platinum card. And so as, a, as um, with my business, They've packaged all kinds of perks and benefits. I happen to, tr to travel quite a bit. I get to do public speaking and running workshops with companies. So as a platinum member, they've made the airport experience 
really nice. They've got a lounge there. They've got um, certain perks with hotels. They've bundled things up so that I love being an American Express customer. I'd never leave. <laughs> There's no reason I would uh, say yes to any of those other credit card offers because of all the different perks they've bundled that uh, that help my life be better. Well, okay, well, let's take that one example and look at your business. What could you do for your customers to create a platinum type experience? What program, what could you bundle together? Probably some things you're already even doing to be able to go to your ideal clients and go, hey, as an ideal client, you qualify for our platinum program. And that means you're going to get, um, you know, this, this, and this, and you qualify for regular quarterly business reviews and uh, priority service and, you know, whatever that could look like in your industry. And just the, that one thing there of thinking about how could we put together a customer loyalty program like that? Um, and all of a sudden you're building customer loyalty, but you're also creating entry points to be able to go in and have those conversations are going to lead to more cross-sell revenue. So, so many different examples are all, I run down a lot of rabbit trails um, on that. But the idea is just to think creatively about, okay, what cylinders are missing here? And what can we put in place that would ensure that we're driving net new and cross-sell and that marketing and sales are working together to get it done? Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I, and I love the way you broke that down. And folks, again, that's why you need to go and, and grab a copy of the book. Um, so uh, I think there's so much more that we could unpack here, uh, but we just crossed over the the 40 minute mark or so. And um, I, I really appreciate everything you've shared with us so far there, Daryl. Um, I'm kind of curious before we close out here, is there anything that we didn't get a chance to touch on that you really want to leave listeners with before we get out of here? Oh, man. You know, I just I want to say again, hats off to every entrepreneur out there. Um, we all know how hard it is, that there's a lot of hard work. And and the reality is, um, you know, whether whether you're crushing it right now or whether this is a season where you're struggling and every business goes through. Uh, different seasons. I just want to encourage you keep going, keep going. We always say at the end of the revenue growth podcast uh, that I get to host, I always say at the end of every episode, let's get going and let's get growing. And so I would say, you know, just for all of our entrepreneur friends, keep doing it, keep at it, keep going. And, uh, you know, it, and there are some, I'd also say that there are some creative ways that you can, you know, some small adjustments can yield big results. And, and if you're able to get ideas from the revenue growth engine, that would be awesome. I'd love to, to hear from you and hear about it. But the, but the reality is we are, uh, Earl entrepreneurs, all of us leaders, we're the engine of this economy. And, um, I just want to say, you know, let's go, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And uh, yeah, and thanks for mentioning your podcast. We'll make sure uh, that we get a, a link to that in here. So I want to make sure people go check that out and and uh, uh, and grow with you and, and help grow your show as well. Always like helping out fellow podcasters like that. So, um, but what are some other ways if folks want to find out more about you, maybe book you to, to come speak at an event that they're hosting, uh, just want to find out more about all the services that you offer, uh, what is it great for them to find out more about Daryl Amy? Oh, thank you. Well, I mentioned earlier, we've got a ton of resources on our website and you can either text the word revenue to 21,000. That's revenue to 21,000. 
or you can go straight to our website at revenuegrowthengine.com. I'd love to connect with all of you on LinkedIn. And and really, if you go to the website and grab yourself a copy of Revenue Growth Engine, I'll send you an autographed one if you'll chip in for shipping and handling. Um, I'll reach out to you and connect on LinkedIn because I love being connected with visionary entrepreneurs that are out there making a difference in the world. And I suspect that anyone listening to this podcast, if you've taken the time to listen to this podcast and gotten this far into it, you hit that qualification. So uh, I'd love to send you a book and love to connect with you personally. RevenueGrowthEngine.com and on LinkedIn, Daryl Amy, the one and only Daryl Amy on LinkedIn. So (laughs) Yeah, I love it. And and listeners, as always, we'll have those uh, uh, those links in there and, and the, the information for texting uh, will be in the show notes as well. So you can do that and take advantage of those great offers there. Uh, Daryl, again, thank you for all the information you've shared. Thank you for writing the book and, and putting that out there. It's so valuable, so necessary, uh, going to help a lot of folks. We didn't even talk about it. I know you've got a mission to help uh, 10,000 businesses. And, and I think that... Uh, you probably uh, are going to blow past that, in, in my opinion, very, very, uh, very quickly if you haven't already. And uh, you're probably going to see need to bump that up a little bit there because <laughs> I think once people get on this, right, I think it's really going to really catch fire because it is nice. It's simple. Um, it's it's executable. And, and those are things that I love. And again, I just want to say thank you very much for having this great conversation, for sharing your knowledge Uh, with me and my listeners and having this uh, outstanding discussion on the Responsible Leadership Podcast. My pleasure. Thank you, Earl. Well, all right, folks, there you have it. Another great show about responsible leadership. I really appreciate you listening. And if you have any feedback for me, please reach out at earl at leadershipphalanx.com. That's E-A-R-L at leadership, P-H-A-L-A-N-X dot com. Thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing the show so these messages can spread further and make a bigger impact. With that, I look forward to speaking with you again in the next episode. Hey, guys. It's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric House Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Electric acid.